Welcome to the Sideline Podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 16th, and it is a new era in Bloomington. My name is Justin Berger, and I am joined by Doug Watley and Alec Kieser. Archie Miller was fired yesterday, and it appears Scott Dolson has at least one or two names in mind. Gentlemen, let's just start broad and then we'll go thin. Uh, what are your thoughts? It's I was about 50-50 coming into this week about whether this would happen or not. The finances were talked a lot about, the $10 million buyout, but obviously I never thought that would be a huge issue. Um, and obviously some donor, $10 million donation, philanthropic reasons. What, okay, sure, I guess you just want to disguise that a little bit. But yeah, I, I was about 50-50. Um, I didn't think there would be a big change next year if he stayed, and I think a lot of people thought that. But at the same time, I don't know who's much better. So we've talked about this last week. The news came out, though. For me, the big takeaway is Scott Dolson was very strong and very professional in the manner that he did it and in the press conference after, too. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned like the feeling going into this week was uh, you said you were 50-50. Last week on the podcast, I thought, um, you know, there's a hundred, not a hundred percent chance, but I, I thought Archie Miller would be our coach next year. But I mean, you hindsight being 2020 after the loss to Rutgers, it's just like if Archie's the coach of this team next year, then like we're going into the next year thinking, okay, we'll, potentially we're going to fire our coach at the end of the season. Yeah. So like going into the season with the expectation that you're going to let go of your coach at the end of it, it's just a bad place to be to begin with. So with hindsight being 2020, like the fact that he was fired after that, I guess makes sense to me, but I, I was a little stunned when the news came out. I just, I just like you said, Scott Dolson came out strong, and and by the, with the words he used, the statement that they came out with, it, it seems like they have a guy in mind already. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll talk about candidates because you know there's there's names from assistants to current head coaches in the NBA that are being thrown around seriously and not nice. seriously. I'm gonna blow it. Um, I'm gonna lose my mind. We'll we talk. To, we'll save it. Save it for it's, a little bit. Uh, it's I was I think. Balancing my surprise that it happened yesterday, because Keys and I talked this week and we were watching basketball, and I, after the Rutgers game, I did feel pretty strongly that he was going to be let go, but I was like, they're saving this for a big news day, so I thought they were going to wait till Friday or Saturday of the tournament and just kind of slide it in there that Archie Miller was fired. They did not do that. Right. 11 o'clock on a Monday, nothing was going on. They were the news. Archie Miller being fired was the news. And I feel like that's Scott Dolson saying, we we did not get the results we thought we were getting with this guy. Now, what that means is the next head coach you bring in, and hypothetically speaking, this is purely hypothetical, whether it is Dan Fife or whether it is Brad Stevens, it has to be a huge splash and a definite upgrade. That is what I think. Uh, Greg Doyle, the Indy Star writer, I, I uh, was talking about this article yesterday. He used the word basket or the the word basketball savant. That's who he wants, and he's there's three names that he he listed, um, but someone who is a clear jump from Archie Miller because I think we all thought sitting on our couches in 2017, Archie was a good hire. Uh, this hire cannot be good. You need to jump out of your seat and scream because you got this guy. Indiana basketball needs a return to what it was. Uh, and, uh, you know, some middle-of-the-road, mid-major hire is not going to do that. Yeah, I was I was kind of joking on the couch yesterday, like, 
I was saying, like, thank God there are people older than us that remember when Indiana basketball was good. And I say that jokingly because people forget the year Tom Crean was fired, that if OG Ananobi doesn't go down, that's a top five team in the country. I digress. But um, it's like it, 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 we can't keep going on like this. You're right. The next the next hire needs to be a splash, and we need to start going in the other direction because, like, what did Archie Miller really do? Like, he recruited well. Like, he, he last four um, Indiana, like, men's uh, – like, State of Indiana – Mr. Basketball, Mr. Basketball came to IU. Yeah. Um, you know, Trace Jackson Davis was a, a I think, um, honorable mention All-American mm-hmm. this year. Um, the team has been talented. What hasn't been happening, we haven't run a good offense. We haven't made shots, and we haven't won in the Big Ten. Um, and so at the end of the day, it, if you don't win, you're not going to stick around very long. Right, and you talk – I mean, there's the Purdue stats, and there's the Big Ten stats, there's the conference tournament stats. There's a lot of things going against them. And like you said, it's a results-oriented business. So if you're not going to win and you don't have a good I'm, – I'm not going to say Archie had a bad PR system his whole four years, but it wasn't great. It wasn't good. And especially as the head coach of Indiana, it, that opportunity gives you the best – or like a very, very good chance to be the most noticeable man in this state. And I could tell you, if he was, it wasn't for the right reasons, especially this year. I think if you have – the situation going into this week and going into Monday where Dolson ultimately makes the decision looks a lot different if the Indiana fans are chanting for the team as they're coming yeah. off the court in Indianapolis. Like I was at the game in Indy on Thursday, and the Fire Archie chants did not start with six minutes left in the second half. They started when we were up in the first half. Like the, He did not have the support of the fan base. It was clear that the students were turning against him. We, th- we thought there were more boosters against him. We can get to those numbers a little later, but it just – it just felt like things were piling up against them, and there was just nothing he can do about it. And the, the, ultimately, just this team would go into games and just in the final minutes would expect to lose. And, and that was kind of the attitude we come out of the Archie Miller era with. So you talked about the boosters, um, whether it was Osterman or Doyle. And if you don't follow these Indy Star guys, you should, because if you're an IU fan, you should absolutely be keeping up with what they're saying. But they were talking about the Crean firing, and when Crean was fired, there was one big booster. They said the biggest booster was for it, and the other boosters were kind of on their seat. Let's say there's 10 boosters that are making calls at for Indiana University's athletic department. All 10 of them were on board that they wanted Archie out. So not only had Archie lost the uh, faith of his fan base, he's his biggest boosters no longer trusted him, and it what appeared yesterday is Scott Dolson didn't have confidence in Archie to win next season uh, and beyond, I guess. So he really lost everybody except for the locker room. A uh, majority of his players have come out and said they really appreciate him, uh, minus Devontae Green. Devontae Green had a tweet that he <laughs> later awesome. deleted yesterday. Um, but you both hit on the Big Ten record. I'm looking at it, 33-45. and 45. Uh, That is a losing record, folks, four years. He finished tied for sixth in his first year, ninth, and then tied for tenth in the last two years in the Big Ten. The, the fact that the first year was his best year in the Big Ten is astonishing. That's, that is actually, it got worse each year. I just kept saying we, we flatlined every year, but in fact, it got worse every year. So it really does, when you look back at it, you're like, oh, how did he not get fired earlier? But it, it, I think it is the right decision for Indiana. And my, my last point, and then I'll hand it back over to you guys, is I was I went back last night and watched Dolson um, and his interview. He was 
what's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, stoic. He was fantastic. I thought he was very good. Uh, I love that he said, you won't hear from me until we have a new head yes. coach. Yep. Uh, I, I'm very excited. Obviously, uh, we all love Fred Glass, and I think a lot of people do. I can't think of a better person to take over this this uh the leadership of this athletic department, but it's, it's been tough with COVID and firing Archie, obviously for his first two major things. I will make a couple more points about Archie that we could probably talk about different hires or if you have anything else to add. Um, a lot of the games you mentioned, what was the big 10 record, Justin? Uh, 33 and 45. All right. And, this... and his, his overall record was 67 and 58. Sounds about right. And this season, I don't know what the Big Ten record was. but 7-12. Seven and, and they were 12-15 and 15 total. So a lot of the games in the Big Ten, if, as Indiana fans know, came down to the wire. Overtime. Double overtime. Two of them. Uh, close games without overtimes. And a lot of those endings, the last possession for IU was a little bit chaotic. And they didn't have the shot they wanted, and it was kind of forced. And that's coaching. If you put your players in the right positions – then they will make enough plays to win at least some of those overtime games. But they weren't put in a lot of those positions. And I know you talked about recruiting. They did a lot to get the top guys. But I think also part of it is they didn't get enough guys to help those other top recruits. And I know I think this freshman class is a little bit different from the past couple classes. But that was a big problem because you can't have – you're not comfortable with your third or fourth option in moments like those when you need a full team. There so, weren't a lot of auxiliary players. Right. Yeah. And that's going to be the same thing going on next year, too. So it's going to be an interesting thing. Obviously, it's a bittersweet moment. You never want anyone to get fired, especially the assistant coaches, the players underneath Archie. Not even the players, the um, positions, I guess, underneath Archie that are also gone. I think there's only four left for the transition team, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. So you you don't cheer for something like this, but you're hopeful for better IU basketball. Yeah, I think you ne- like you never want to see anybody get fired. It's like it's not like we're not celeb- like I think the people who are out celebrating that we fired Archie Miller are just like it's, it's you never want to fire the head basketball coach of your basketball yeah, team. That, that means that he that, yeah that means that you're not performing very right. well. So I I wouldn't say this is a reason to celebrate, but I think also like it just. It just seemed like, and and I know the players came out after, and it was actually really nice to see um, some of the players uh, um, and how they reacted to the firing and, and what they were saying about um, Archie. Because at least for me, some of the, one of my biggest criticisms from the outside is it looked like he was never coaching on the floor. Mm-hmm. Like it was usually just he was standing there by himself with the clipboard or slamming the clipboard or like writing plays up. Or I, you never saw him like put his arm around a player or, or stuff like that. And I know that might not be his style. I think it's evident. Um, kind of now how the players felt about him, but it's just like it, it felt like we, in games that we were supposed to win, we were getting outcoached, and in games that we were supposed to lose, sometimes the effort wasn't there, and it's just at the end of the day, it falls on the coach. My my last point is again, I I do I really do value the opinion of the writers in Indy, and this is what Osterman tweeted yesterday about Greg uh, uh, Scott Dolson, drawing parallels between renovating Assembly Hall and refreshing IU basketball as a brand. Retain the elements that celebrate tradition, but also make the program feel modern and cutting edge. Says accomplishing that goes beyond hiring a new head coach. So Scott Dolson is entertaining the idea that, or acknowledging the sentiment that Indiana basketball as a brand needs to advance into the 21st century 
past the Bobby Knight era, if you will, while also reflecting on the past success, but but you know, moving their offense into the 21st century, I would say. Yeah, I, I think the and the biggest indi- indication of that, and I think it was a little thing you said before, but uh, we had talked about it yesterday. I know that was that the, the timing of the announcement that mm-hmm. like we kind of both assumed that they'd kind of news dump it and kind of hope that it would get swept under the rug. But what the university and Dolson ultimately ended up doing was they made it the news that day. Yeah. They, they they made a statement. They said Indiana basketball has a job opening. And just kind of left it at that. I think the, the one of the funnier things that's been coming out recently is is the head coaches that were on the short list, yeah, like kind of like removing themselves or like withdrawing from consideration, essentially decommitting or like, you know, what I'm saying like, yeah, pulling themselves out of consideration for the job. I thought that was funny. Well, Brad they, Stevens did that on radio this morning, but then Indiana <laughs> yeah, fans totally. think it's cryptic. So <laughs> I, I guess that's a great transition. Um, I'm looking at the the Vegas odds. So I mean, we can kind of run through that list. Uh, top of the list at plus three hundred. Yeah, I just want to. Finish yeah, yeah. Up. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Like, I just think the the timing of the announcement was a nice way to remind the young Indiana fans, or I guess the fans in 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 our shoes, that like this is a brand and this is a job to be right. cared about, and and watch what we go do with this. Right. Um, so and it remains to be seen. And I, let's see who our let's let's meet our contestants. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like it's the East West Bowl. <laughs> um, I I did. Uh, Look back last time, Tom Crean was fired and Archie Miller was hired 11 days later. Uh, Tom Crean was fired on the first Saturday of the NCAA tournament, so Archie a few days before Tom, if you will. Uh, Unless uh, Dolson is planning on hiring someone who is still playing in the tournament, I I expect we'll have an answer in the next 14 or so days. Well, that's that's the major question. It's like, well, who— He said – one of the things he said in his statement was he's not putting together a formal search committee. Right. So the way we interpreted that was that he he has a short list of guys in mind. Right. And so depending on who's on that short list, I think, will get – like ultimately let us know where that timetable is. Like if it's a guy who – who like a, like a, a – I don't know, like a Scott Drew, say, mm-hmm. and Baylor makes a tournament run, like we're not going to – like we're not going to hear from him. Now, I, I'm not – I don't think that – Indiana Hoosiers are going to hire Scott Drew. So, but I'm just saying, like, if it's somebody, if he has somebody like that in mind and at least wants to interview them, then I think we're looking at a little bit of a longer timeline here. That's what, um, and that brings me, like, Steve Alford is fourth on the list at plus 700. Uh, he's not coming to IU. He's never wanted to come to IU. He's been offered this job like three other times. And he has, he has, a, he was one of the first coaches to pull his name off the list. Right. So, at like I said, at the top of this list is John Beeline at plus 300. He's 68 years old. Uh, personally, I'd love if, if, you know, if John Beeline was the coach of IU. I think it would completely elevate IU's brand and uh, help them recruit and, you know, X's and O's and stuff like that. But John Beeline is 68 years old. Yeah. Uh, you have to realize he's got, you know, t- you got 10 years max of intelligent coaching, and then you got to do this whole cycle again. Now, the good news with that is he brings in the right people and the program becomes healthy again, and then it's a job people want to take. Uh, I just don't know if you want to hire a guy who is, you know, past retirement age. If you hire Social him, Security. <laughs> you, you have to have at least like three years and maybe a secondary associate John Shire type coach on your bench. Yeah. And I think that's part of the deal. And I think John Beeline would honestly be okay with that. But like you said, the thing about John Beeline that I think he can do probably more than most coaches, maybe a couple that are on this list as well is win right away. Yeah. I mean, the players he has that he would have at IU, they're not great, but they're good enough for him to do work with and and contend, not necessarily for a big time title right away, 
but a top five, top three maybe position in the conference. Improve. Right. Improvement. And so it wouldn't take three years. And I think, like you said, the age is a little bit question mark, but if they can get some guy underneath, I think that's that's a decent option. I also don't know if he wants the job right away. So I don't that that's also Right. Well, we've got to consider mark. these guys' feelings. Yeah, yes. exactly. So so like like um Doug said, I think if you if you're looking to hire a guy like Beeline, um who is uh, we keep saying the age, sixty eight years old, like you need somebody like, if you're not gonna do it immediately and if he's not gonna pick his guy immediately, w- within the first two or three years, you need to have a guy who like, okay, it's assumed he's going to get the job. Like maybe somebody on the staff is being groomed under Beeline to, right. to like take over. So it's not necessarily like a coaching search. But it's more of like a, a grooming process. Um, if you're just looking at Beeline as like, okay, we want you to lead our program, then I think it's a little risky because age is definitely a factor. Um, and so it, these these like coaching hiring processes and switching over staffs and, and learning new offenses and things like that is a like it's a stressful process. It's not something you want to continually do year in and year out, and it's something that's like hurt this program in, in its recent history. And so. I would be weary of doing of hiring somebody at his age if you're not planning on attaching a successor to him. Right. Um, I just got a thing on my Apple Watch, so you all know this by now. But Brad Stevens and Rick Pitino both say they have no interest in Hoosiers head coaching job. So two of the longer shots on the list, if you will. But the next three, I guess, if you take out Steve Alford, uh, Scott Drew, Chris Beard, Dana Altman. Not young men, but younger men, uh, both, you know, if they're or all three, if they're successful, could have 20 to 30 year careers here at IU, which I think I do think Scott Dolson is looking for the next Bobby Knight, not in the success, but let's have a guy that's going to stick around. I guess every every yeah, AD is looking goal. for that. <laughs> But like when you when you consider factors like that, you look for a younger guy, and these guys with their age could be here for twenty to thirty years if they're successful. Those are the three names that I think are three of the more realistic ones for IU. I would still see. I'm not as optimistic as a lot of people are. I, I guess. Because go ahead. I just convince me Scott Drew's walking away from Baylor right now. My problem. I, I don't. I think Scott Drew is number three on that list for me. Like I, I, money. Yeah. Tradition, fame. I think those are all things that I and and home Indiana he is dead coach of Valpo yeah and he I I'm think saying, he played at Valpo no I'm not saying it's program. not gonna happen I'm just saying like that's fair I would say I would say he's, a lot of people are saying, he, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly I would say he's a, pretty much a long shot I, I think for me of those three I don't did I list them Drew Beard Altman uh Beard is number one on my list I think Beard is gettable I know it's going to cost literally a billion dollars to get him yeah. here but money is it, it doesn't appear that it's an issue because it appears the boosters are going to back the athletic department. So if you could get past the money argument, find a better X's and O's guys that's going to rile up your program than what Chris Beard has done for Texas Tech. He was coaching at some no-name college like six years ago. Like the way he's risen up the ranks is is an impressive story. And he's had an established career in one of the better basketball conferences in America, here's the here's the beard here's the I guess the beard cons and, yeah, and, and why he, he's not the reverse Scott Drew but he's like he he grew up in Texas lived in Texas mm-hmm. twenty years in Texas so are you gonna be is money gonna be enough to to pull that guy out of his home state I'm not sure I feel like the same argument that could be made for why Scott Drew would come to Indiana could potentially argue against why Chris Beard would maybe not take the job also if that makes sense Chris Beard is making. Five million dollars right now at, at uh, Texas Tech, which is I think fourth or third in the NCAA. 
So I don't think money's. An I issue think for Chris him. Beard's a. a, a I think no. A, I think the argument for Chris Beard is you get to come coach at Indiana University, in the Big Ten. I don't think that's intriguing to himself. Yeah, I think I, I honestly would. would probably, I mean, hopefully, I, I don't know. <laughs> I would probably put Scott. I, I think Scott Drew comes more likely than he does, and I don't think either of them do. Here's the other thing, though. You try for all of them. Yeah, hundred percent. You, you, you yeah, gotta absolutely. aim for the cloud. So, like, if one says no, maybe one might say, like, it, it, you just gotta work through. There's no one you're crossing off, and that's what Dolson said at his press conference. I'm not really focused on a guy that has a great offense or just a great defense. I want a guy that can work with me, and build this program, rebuild this program to what it was. So his his options are open. Let me ask you, um, because. Again, I keep looking at this list and I keep saying this list, but like Musselman and Oates, they're not coming here. They have established programs in the SEC. They got, they're getting paid a lot. They've been there for a minute. Uh, they are building something, it feels like there. Oates is also officially, he has removed himself yeah. from the conversation. That stinks. I would have loved him. Um, I mean, obviously. Are, is Indiana, in your opinion, more likely, let's exclude Beeline because he's the only not, and Thad Matta, who's just not going to coach. I would cross him completely yeah, he's off, got too. He's That's got health ridiculous. issues. He's not coming yeah. back. Whatever. Um, Dan Fife is a name we keep hearing, we keep hearing, we keep hearing. He's been an Izzo assistant for 10 years. He played at IU. Is that is Indiana more likely to go after an assistant coach, an established assistant coach like a Dan Fife, or are they going to try and make a big splash and go get an active coach, you know, like a Scott Drew or a Chris Beard or Dana Altman? I mean, I think they want. I think they they would prefer, and in a perfect world, they would love to go make a splash and go pull Scott Drew away from Baylor, go pull Chris Beard away from Texas. Tech, I guess, you know? what I'm sorry to interrupt. I, but think, I guess what I meant is Dan Fife a significant enough hire? Is that a name that's going to you, rally the fan base? I think the I think the right I think this is a smart basketball fan base for the I most agree. part and the yeah. right hire will rile up the fan base. I think it's not obviously Dan, if you if you're looking at Fife and comparing him to to the Drew yeah. or the Beards like it's not it doesn't come close to like the the mainstream appeal. But I think if if they if this uh, if they feel he's the right coach and they present that in the right way and frame it in the right way then I think it could have excitement. I think I think we're more likely to go with somebody like Fife or like a Calbert Chaney than we are to go with somebody like a Scott Drew or Chris Beard. And I'm not saying we're going to hire any of those people I just named, but I'm just saying I think I think that's a more likely scenario, whereas in a dream scenario, we're hiring an established coach from a big school. Okay. The thing I'll say about Dan Fife is he has been Michigan State's assistant coach for years now, but before that, he was a head coach as well, and he was not very good. He was 82 and 97 at IPFW. Not a great school, but also not a great conference. So that doesn't please me too much. So let's, I'm not even going to say perfect world. In in the world we live in, who do you think, not who do you want, who do you think, and I know this is a hard question. You've had 24 hours to stew on it. Hasn't helped. Yeah, I know. I, I, I get lost because... I really think it's going to be a head coach that is currently a head coach, unless it's Beeline. Um, I don't think Scott Dolson can bring in some assistant, even with the IU ties and on a successful staff like Michigan State. Um, and I keep pointing, picking out Dan Fife, but there's other names too. I think it has to be a name. And and I you, I, you guys know what I mean by a name. Yeah, They have to pull somebody that, everyone is going to agree that is going to make a move. And that's why I think the Scott Drew, Chris Beard, uh, 
Dana Altman. And Dana Altman wasn't even someone I considered until I saw his name on the list yesterday. And I don't know if he'd I leave just, he, Oregon. He just, like, you don't leave Nike's palace. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, but, again, you, you have a hard time arguing against uh, the brand of Indiana basketball. Hopefully you, they see it in the shining light that it is, not in the last 10 years or, I guess, the last five years. I, uh, I really am having trouble – Pinning a name down. Well, I, I think the, I hope it's Chris Beard. I, I think hope is a, yeah. hope's a nice word to use. <laughs> I think the odds reflect this, and I think the the most like I, I the, just the more we talk about it, and the more like the way that the landscape is right now, and just how entrenched kind of the best coaches are, and how there's not really a young stud at the moment. Yeah, it just seems very likely that the that the they'll feel that the best way to do it is to hire Beeline, get somebody under him. Maybe you hire Beeline and Calvert Chaney and you, you groom Chaney to take over the job or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the move you make. And you get a guy who's established, you get a name, who can who put an offense in place, you know he can coach in the conference, he can win in the conference, and you just put a staff around him that kind of age age proofs the future. And I, I think that's the most likely scenario. And I, I, I Obviously, like I said, odds reflect this, so I don't think I'm breaking anybody's brain when I say this, but I think as of now, I would expect it to be Beeline. Beeline, then Scott Drew for me, and then I'll even put Eric Musselman up there as well. Really? Okay. Um, I, I look again. If it's Beeline, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fret. Uh, I'd be happy with that. And I, I like your point about bringing in a Calvert Cheney to groom and have a future with. Um, so with that, we kiss the Archie era goodbye. It was terrible to watch with you, um, but I do wish Archie the best. Uh, I, I'd say that sincerely. Let's uh, let's move into the NCAA bracket, which Indiana University is not a part of. Uh, and we should mention the women too. Four seed, uh, tough loss. <laughs> tough loss on Thursday. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they lost to. They were the se- the second seed in the Big Ten tournament. Lost a seven seed in, in the quarterfinal after a double bye. That probably moved them down from a three to a four, maybe a two to a four. But they are a four seed. They play VCU first round, Gonzaga probably second round. So. If you're looking at the four-seed routes, that's not a bad route to have. So their first game, I believe, is Monday at 2 p.m. on ESPNU. Okay. Um, Let's talk about the men's bracket. Uh, I think we'll just go region by region, try not to ramble. I'm talking to myself. Uh, And we'll we'll just break down the games. I guess give me what you're looking at from each region, and then eventually we'll we'll pick a, a winner from each region and talk about the final four. Uh, let's start with Gonzaga. We'll go left to right, uh, top to bottom. So the West region first. I am going to pick Gonzaga to beat the 16 seed. I don't think <laughs> that is shocking news. Uh, but but seriously, what matchups are you guys looking at in in this side of the bracket, this corner of the bracket? Um, I think instinctively for me, I kind of go to eight nine off the bat in, yeah. in any. Uh, of the regions, and this 8-9 is pretty intriguing to me. Missouri was a team that started off really hot and kind of sputtered towards the end of the year. Oklahoma is a team who we saw go on a run in the middle of the year and beat a lot of really good teams and kind of sputter at the end. Um, I think that is a, an extremely competitive game and definitely one that like when the bracket first came out, I was, I was very intrigued about. Yeah, I would agree. I have Oklahoma in that game. Um, out of the Creighton, US, UCSB, Virginia, Ohio, I think at least one of those 12 or 13 seeds will win. I chose Ohio. I have actually Ohio going to the 
the Sweet 16. Mm. Uh, USC, I believe, is a lock over that 11 seed. That's my favorite game. I, I, I love Isaiah Mobley for USC. Yeah, he's a beast. Um, but I, whether it's Drake or Wichita State, I think that's going to be a fun one. Yeah. I think Drake-Wichita State is also going to be a fun one. Yeah, I mean, Fair. yeah. any game in the NCAA tournament is fun. I will say friend of the program, Brad <laughs> Loomis, also mirrors your affection for this Ohio team. Um, Virginia team coming off of the COVID stuff remains to be seen. Tony Bennett's a name we didn't mention, but is another yeah. name that has been on not any real list, but a couple wish lists for some Indiana fans out there. So that's uh, another, I guess, game to keep an eye on for another reason. I think the, one of the more intriguing things about this bracket is the like – the, the likely and potential second-round matchup between Iowa and Oregon. I think this Iowa team's vulnerable. Obviously, they lost to the Hoosiers twice, so there's a, a blueprint there. And, um, you know, I think that could be a potential uh, shocker for the Big Ten. Kansas-USC is also going to be – or will hopefully will be very cool as well. I mean, yeah, that's going to be an incredible game. You talk about brands in college basketball yeah. or brands in college sports, period. Gonzaga-Iowa, is that – well, I guess I was gonna say is that a shooting for the elite eight, but you guess not, huh? No, I, I think Iowa. I think Iowa can be in trouble. I think they're the best team. They're they're clearly the second best team in this bracket. I, I don't think I'm anyone would argue. I also, I also I also think, think Iowa's the most beatable team coming out of the Big Ten. Yeah, they're also the most beatable team. Echelon. Any team that loses to the Indiana Hoosiers twice, like we watched that team play all year, they they were not very good and they were not very confident, except for when they played. Iowa. I've also watched Iowa play a lot this year, and I like I you can beat them if they're if they miss their jump shots, especially the three pointers. There's no way. I know guards is going to have 30 points regardless, but if they don't make their jump shots and that offense isn't humming, they're beatable because they don't play defense. Yeah, I think that has improved a little bit towards the end of the season. I think they did not play any defense early on. Also, I do want to mention, though, uh, if that rematch of Gonzaga and Iowa happens, that game did happen earlier this season right. and Gonzaga blew them out of the water. Yeah, there were like 600 points scored in that game. Yeah. I think it was, I think Gonzaga legitimately scored 100 points. Um, so... Uh, I let's let's just pick the winner. All right, get, give me the elite eight, and then we'll pick the winner, and then we'll go to the next side of the bracket. I have Gonzaga, Iowa. Keys, do you have Gonzaga, Iowa? I've got. I mean, I've gone back and forth in this a couple of times. I think the smart smart money is on Gonzaga, Iowa, but I just I can't discount uh, like a USC or an Oregon making a run. Yeah, I have not picked my bracket yet, um, so I'm going to do that after we're done with this. Actually, been pretty busy, uh, but I have Gonzaga. I don't want to pick Iowa. I don't think they're going to win, whether it's against Oregon or Kansas or USC. I think they drop to one of those teams. So I'll gut, say, Gonzaga versus Kansas. Um, And then I have Gonzaga coming out of that. So Gonzaga advancing from the West. Uh, We'll go south. So that's Baylor's, uh, Baylor's side corner. Um, Keys yeah. Keys talked about eight nine on this one. North Carolina, Wisconsin. I mean, that might be. I'm sorry to jump. No, you're fine. Here, but I Please. think that's my favorite game on the, uh, for 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 young Alec growing up watching college basketball. <laughs> that is my favorite game on the bracket. I was short little side story here, but a co- uh, me and a couple of our friends were trying to get tickets to the game, and we secured first round tickets. Yay, good for us! And they gave us Baylor versus Hartford, probably the <laughs> the second worst game in the tournament. Um, so thanks NCAA tournament for that one. That sucked. But uh, we we're I was ho- fully hoping to go to North Carolina, Wisconsin. Uh, I guess in terms of brands, in terms of coaching, in terms of like, grit and playing hard, and like any everything down to the jersey colors clashing, and just it. 
it's just it's a classic college basketball matchup that I just it warmed my heart to see that. And I just that's going to be a dogfight of a game. I can't believe Wisconsin and North Carolina are playing in the first round. I think North Carolina, a lot of people have them beating Baylor as an upset. I, I'm not sure if that'll happen. They need to beat Wisconsin. This Wisconsin. Like, uh, Wisconsin really what, slid recently. Yeah, I agree with I Doug on this really one. I think they really peaked too early this season. And maybe they're good enough and veteran enough to turn it around. But I think North Carolina has too much talent to overcome that. But I also, and I'm sure I will contradict myself when we get to the East and the Midwest, but I'm looking at the bracket now, and I love a lot of these games, at least in the first round, the 8-9. Villanova versus Winthrop. Winthrop's dropped one game this year, and Villanova is without Gillespie. I think that's the easiest upset That's a, in the, the popular round. one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love Texas Tech, Utah State. I, you know, I'm Chris Beard fanatic, uh, and I, I am picking Texas Tech to come into the Elite Eight. That's at what least. I got. Um, Florida Va Tech's an awesome game. Arkansas, I'm excited. That like Musselman versus Beard uh, matchup's going to be sick, hypothetically. And then Ohio State obviously is down there too. And which Ohio State team's going to show up? Is EJ Liddell going to play like EJ Liddell? Like, there's just a lot of fun basketball teams in this South region. There are a lot of good and teams. And I'm sure I'm going to say that a two more times. There's just so many. This is a loaded bracket. I think the sleeper here is is Purdue at number four. I just think that team's nasty. They yeah. shoot. They're well coached. They're big. They have size. Death taxes Matt Painter. Exactly. <laughs> I, I just. I, as much as it pains me to say, and I like their path too. I just like the way they match up with a couple of these teams. I, I'm 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 scared of this Purdue run we're about to have on the back of our IU basketball mishaps. I, well, look, I I love Matt Painter, and until Indiana starts beating Purdue, that'll that's what it takes me. Scott to. I Dolson, you heard I don't hate Scott him right Dol- now. Scott Dolson is hiring Matt Painter. Yeah, I thought that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, so let's well, uh, you know, I will cut the ramble. What is uh? Elite Eight prediction from the South bracket. I might just be Big Ten biased, but I like Ohio State and Purdue. I just, okay. I really think this Purdue team has a chance to shock some people. I, I just think people are sleeping on them. People don't really know who they are. They didn't watch them play. They're getting hot at the right time. I just, I, I don't. I just, I really like this Purdue team, and I, just, I think Ohio State. I think Illinois is 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 one one of if not the best team in the tournament, and just the way Ohio State and their ability to play them, plus playing a grueling Big Ten schedule. I think the Big Ten was the best conference in basketball this year by far, and I think the tournament's going to reflect that. Um, and who comes out of that matchup? I like Ohio State. Okay, uh, Doug, Baylor and Texas Tech. Okay, yeah, I have uh, Baylor. I think the best game in this bracket will be Baylor versus North Carolina in the second round, like I was talking about earlier. Winthrop gets the win. Uh, Texas Tech moves on. I think also Texas Tech, like you said, the coaching matchup will be the best coaching matchup Yeah. outside of Patino versus NATO. It's, um, <laughs> but, yeah, and then I also don't think or Ohio State is all that good. I think they are very, very deserving of a two-seed, and I think they are very talented, but I think they have the potential to get upset. I feel the early. same way about Ohio State that I do about Iowa. It's like, what team is going to show up? Yeah. I just feel like they have veteran guards who can make shots. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, they do. But yeah, I also think Ohio State. To, this is kind of giving them props, but on Sunday in the championship, they just kind of got tired. They played so many games back to back, and their you could tell their legs were just not under them, and they kind of lost the game because of that. Um, I will. I'll stick with my guy. I'll, and also, I think the motivation from losing the Big Ten title. I, I think that that's going to matter. Okay. Um, I will take Texas Tech out of the bottom half. Um, and I'll actually say between Texas Tech and Arkansas, I think the winner of that game comes out in the bottom half. So I'll yeah. go Texas Tech or Arkansas over Ohio State. Uh, and Keys, I I kind of love that Purdue pick, man. 
Matt, Matt Painter knows how to win. Uh, and it's not like Scott Drew doesn't, but B- Baylor has fallen short a lot in the tournament. This is his Just, oldest team I, by I think, far I think and the, most talented. The, the best case scenario for an IU fan who wants Scott Drew is is what again, I mean two <laughs> mentions two mentions for our friend Brad on the podcast, but um just this, this Baylor team's leaving next year. He's Scott Drew's accomplished everything he can accomplish at Baylor except for winning a national title. And if they get an abrupt exit or get upset, I think that opens the door a little more for a, a, a move up north. But so, I, not that I don't like No, not, yeah, no, I I know. But, um and I, you know, just for the sake of it, I will. I'll take Purdue and Texas Tech in the Elite Eight, and I'll take Texas Tech coming out of it. Um, so, that is the South and the West. We'll move down to the Midwest. That is the Fighting Illini region. Uh, again, that eight-nine matchup. Love. Uh, yep. Loyola Chicago, Georgia Tech, Sister Jean She'll coming. Be there. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Josh Pastner, maybe the dumbest-looking coach in college basketball with the face shield. Uh, Tennessee, Oregon State's fun. I think Tennessee will probably demolish them, but Oregon State's hot, and you can't discount hot. Uh, you know, I'm not going to read the whole schedule because I've done that too many times. So, Keys, tell me what you like about this tournament or this uh, um, region. I think I think this this little bottom part of the bracket here between uh, Clemson, Rutgers, Houston, Cleveland State is, is very interesting because I. I like we've seen all different sides of Rutgers this year. I'm watching Big Ten basketball, yeah. um, and and this Clemson team, the way they started the year, um, they started off hot and kind of fell off towards the end. But like Rutgers could just as easily lose to Clemson in the first round or beat Houston in the second round. Like I, I wouldn't be stunned at all if we saw Rutgers in the Sweet 16. Yeah, no, I agree. I so you say that about every Big Ten team except for except for Maryland. Would you, would you be surprised if you see Clemson winning those two games? No. If they if they get past Rutgers, you think they could beat Houston too? Well, oh, I think yeah. Houston's very. I think Houston's good. vulnerable. Oh, I like that we disagree. <laughs> I, I think I think I think this is a really really good Houston team. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I agree. I think Clemson Rutgers. I would agree with Keezer in the sense that that could be an upset. I think if Houston does get past that seven ten, they lose to West Virginia. Um, and that Agreed. Sweet 16. I also want to mention, you said Tennessee would demolish Oregon State. I disagree with that 100%. Okay, good. I think that's a big 12-5 upset. I think Oregon State, they're playing very, very good basketball right mm-hmm. now. They've beaten good teams. It's not like they just kind of swept by the big uh, And they're 12. being incredibly disrespected. Yeah. And um, and I, I think that Tennessee, on the other hand, is not playing great ball. They lost to Auburn not too long ago. They lost to Kentucky not too long ago. These are not great teams. And I Rick think, Barnes has a habit of fading down yeah. the uh, stretch. So I think I think they went from fourteen to four to eighteen and eight, and I don't have too much faith in the Volunteers. I think uh, you said what, what am I looking at in this bracket? And I think we'd be remiss to say that if we're all not staring at number four Oklahoma State and yeah, to see what, by the way. <laughs> what what this team and what if if like. Cade Cunningham, I think, hands down, is going to be the first overall pick in next year's draft. I think anybody who doesn't think that didn't watch college basketball this year. Um, I think Oklahoma – you talked about Baylor-North Carolina being the most intriguing matchup. I think a potential matchup between Illinois and Oklahoma State in Sweet 16 is, uh, like, mouth-watering. Yeah, and and I just think watching like, – when was the last time you got to see, we got to see the – just the unanimous number one overall pick playing the tournament. I feel like it's been a little. We didn't get the tournament last year. Uh, two years ago, um, who's the number one? I can't. Zion. Oh, Zion. They they got bounced in the second round. So it's like no, they were they went far. They didn't they lose to Purdue? Yeah, they, no, oh, maybe they lost. Yeah, they Purdue? lost to I, Purdue. It was yeah. the elite eight, I remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, they they lost to uh, Taco. 
Yeah, yeah, they lost. Yeah, they they lost a one eight matchup in the yeah. second round. Yeah, to UCF. Yeah. No, 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 no. They won that game. They won that game. No, they beat them. They They beat them. They beat them. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. right. Doug's right. Doug's right. Doug's right. Doug's right. College basketball Um, analyst. You're the the college basketball guy. I was telling Justice before. (laughs) Let me get in on this. I I can't believe neither of you. We went five minutes without mentioning Syracuse. I know. I I mean, I picked. They were the first 11. I absolutely picked. Obviously, they're winning as the 11 seed. They're Syracuse. I agree. I will. I think Syracuse beats San Diego State. I think West Virginia. I'm I'm a huggy bear guy. I think everybody's a huggy bear guy. So we're just uh, filling out your bracket here. Yeah, no, this is exactly what I'm like this writing I'm things down. <laughs> um, <laughs> West Virginia in the bottom half. So I got West Virginia winning and then beating Syracuse and then beating Houston. So they're the bottom uh, elite eight team. The huggy bears. And then I, I'm not picking against Illinois. Uh, I would love to pick Cade Cunningham in Oklahoma State. Illinois is too well-rounded, and they are playing too well right now. I'm picking Illinois uh, over West Virginia in the Elite Eight. Illinois advances to the Final Four. I have West Virginia in the bottom as well. I will have Illinois over Oklahoma State in a double overtime game. Oh, all right. <laughs> One-point victory. I think it'll be that good, and I think whoever wins that out of the 1-4 will go on to beat West Virginia and go to the Final Four. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you guys. I think to, to pick against Illinois the way they're playing right now, it, it would be stupid. Um, I think Houston's the most vulnerable two-seed. I, I know you guys think it's Ohio State. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Illinois, West Virginia in the Elite Eight, and I think Illinois is just too good. I could also be swayed to thinking the most vulnerable two-seed is Iowa. Don't. Oh, wait, yeah, all right. Iowa's definitely the most vulnerable yeah. two-seed. All right, Houston. Yeah, yeah. No, you're good. The uh, all right. The Michigan side. I think the best coaching matchup between Nate Oates and Rick Pitino. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna struggle to write in Alabama in that in that seed. Like, I would love to pick. They're Rick so Pitino. much better. They're so much better. They're just <laughs> so much better. Of course, they're better. But come on, it's Pitino. I so, know, but it's it's like coach. You can only coach so much. Like at the end of the day, it's about the athletes on the floor. And I think this Alabama team's hungry. I agree. Let's I guess. before we before we talk about that. Let's talk about the the first four matchup. Uh, Blue Blood City between Michigan State and UCLA. I People are it ecstatic is, it about is, this. It is a absolute travesty that this game is not in Bloomington at Assembly Hall. Yeah. It is an absolute travesty. How is this college basketball game not being played at Assembly Hall? I believe they're playing it at Mackey. They're playing it at Mackey. I know it's ridiculous, and I, it could be because they want fans there, and that would be the only excuse. But just like, it's a pretty good excuse. Figure it out, guys. <laughs> like, how is this game not at Assembly Hall? Because I get the, fa- the fans is a good reason, though. I think it is the a fans good reason, like but it's just. It's frustrating for us, sure, but uh, yeah, I mean these both these teams I think would beat Drake and beat what was it Wichita State mm-hmm. by ten fifteen plus. I think this is going to be a great great matchup, and I think what is that? That's on Thursday, yeah, Thursday, and the the very last game will be UCL and Michigan State. Michigan State will win, by the way. I think Michigan State is also going to win. I agree, and they'll uh, win their first round or second round, whatever you want to call it. Against UIU, agreed. Yep. I also agree. Matt Arms is enemy number one <laughs> of the people. Um, I, I, I hate going first. Um, I love Georgetown. I know they stunk all year, but again, I can't discount hot. And not, I'm not saying they're going to come out of this bracket, but. I don't think they're – I know Keys. I think you love Colorado, don't you? I do. Yeah. Uh, everybody, everybody likes Georgetown. Like, Me too. Why? Because Pat Ewing won the title at MSG. Like, do we forget the Big Ten – or the Big East was terrible this year? Also, McKinley Wright, who is Colorado's probably best player, he's a name that IU fans should remember. He committed to Dayton when Archie was there, and then instead of coming to IU with them, he went to Colorado and became a star. Hmm. 
Well, that stinks. Oh, so he's, sorry, yeah, to, he's <laughs> sorry to put that so he's, into the mood. He's, he's absolutely going to play well this weekend. Yeah, to rub it in our faces. Uh, what do we think about Michigan? Isaiah Livers is hurt. I mean, That's going to yeah, hurt him big time. Livers, Livers is, a, is a, a, an incredible difference. Like if, he's, if he can come back and he's healthy, then they're obviously a much different team. But if he's not, then they're in trouble. Michigan has looked like a different team the last month, sounds too long, the last couple weeks. Also, a question: What do you think about Juwan Howard's blow up the other day and the Big Ten tournament? We never talked about that. Well, we yeah, we weren't on. Yeah, we weren't. We didn't have a show. Uh, I don't know what Turgeon said to him. I love that he got he got into it. Though. Yeah, me too. I, I don't. I, I, I really okay. Well, why I, I don't think, you like it? I mean, I think he's he seems like a level headed, smart guy, and I think whatever that didn't ter- seem level headed. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying in the past, so like whatever Turgeon said must have been set him off. Yeah. What, what, well, what don't you like about it? I so this is from what I heard, and I don't know the details about it, but. I heard something along the lines of, I believe Hunter Dickinson's from Maryland, and he was did not get recruited for Mark Turgeon. Goes to Michigan. The first two games that they played against each other were similar, not as chippy, obviously, as this one, but very physical. I think this was the like the boil. It just went overboard with this one. Um, but, I mean, you're a head coach. Like, I don't care what they say, and I get you protect your players. But Chris Beard did the same thing, like, two weeks ago. But you don't go – like. I don't know. There's if some he's going lines you don't go, cross, don't and especially you're the like. I think it was just more of a thing where he was also trying to prove himself. He's a second year guy. Yeah, yeah maybe. I, I mean, but I, I just I, like I respectfully completely disagree. Yeah. I'm, um. I'm, I that would if I'm a Michigan fan or a Michigan player or a Michigan coach or a trainer. That fires me up that something offended my head coach so much. And hopefully it was about his player, not about himself, Mm -hmm. that he was going out there to defend his guys. Also, I love that Mark Turgeon said something like that to Juwan Howard, unless it was something terrible. But I love that Mark Turgeon said something. Yeah, bring back rivalries. I love that. Love that. Love seeing coaches yelling at each other. It's awesome. Makes me think of Bobby Cox when he was the manager of the Braves. I want my guy yelling at people. (laughs) Um, That being said, you're right about Isaiah Livers. If he's not healthy, this Michigan team is completely different and completely vulnerable, even at the even at a team like the Bonnies or LSU right there in the second round. So, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, and I like, we, we, like obviously the eight nine matchup is going to be the closest matchup because of the two C's are the closest together. I don't right. think, but but like this matchup is incredible. Like LSU like struggles on the offensive or keeping teams off the offensive glass, and the Bonnies crash the glass. Um, so uh, this could be another little nine eight upset. I will talk about the bottom half of the bracket again because I feel like I'm always talking about the bottom half of the bracket. Uh, the potential second round matchup between UConn and Alabama is very enticing. Talk about a head coach batch uh, matchup, and then the potential Sweet Sixteen matchup of Texas and Alabama is. Uh, you know, feels like a football game, but it would be so much fun to watch those two teams play against each other. And I think Texas, I'm not, I'm not shocking anybody here. Texas is a team that I think a lot of people are probably picking to come out of the East region just yeah. because of how well they've been playing. And like we said, how Michigan's been not shaky, but not themselves lately. Yeah. I mean, like you said, uh, recency bias is everything, but right. I love this Texas team. I love the way they're playing. I love Shaka Smart. I love the fact that they have guys at, at every position that can score and do things with the basketball. They're just a dangerous, complete, well-rounded college basketball team that played a tough schedule and is hungry. So, Doug, do you have anything to add before we do predictions? I'll just add I'm going to – well, I guess kind of predictions, but uh, the only upset I have in this region is Michigan State. In the first round. In the first round. So they beat UCLA and then upset BYU. Yeah. Okay. I think every other favorite wins. Um, all right. Yeah, so I guess that is kind of picking. So you have Michigan-Alabama? 
Uh, well, yes, I actually do. Okay. Yeah, I have Florida State beating Colorado. I have Texas beating Michigan State, I Alabama. See Florida State. Yeah, it's a very chalk, which I guess is going to be the opposite of what's going to happen. Let, then. I mean, I, I, you said you just skipped over Florida State. Yeah. No, I didn't mention it either. But they're my like not not that they're my favorite team in this little bracket because I like Texas, but I mean they're like that's a, that's another four seed that has a lot of chance to make some noise. I think they like. Not that like Colorado is a bad team, but I think when you when you're not playing them at home, you get them a little off, like they're not as like jacked up as they as they um you know normally be. And I think if they catch this Michigan team, um without livers, or if they catch a team like uh, that that beats Michigan, I think um they match up well with a lot of these teams. So I would not be be shocked to see Florida State make a deep run here. So I actually have them in the Elite Eight. A lot like Scott Drew, I think Scott Drew's only made like two Elite Eights in his career, and he's had really good teams at Baylor, but uh. Leonard Hamilton is a guy who's been wildly successful at Florida State, but has not been able to win in right. uh, March Madness. This is a real chance for them. It just uh, feels like this is the year they're being overlooked. And yeah, kind of counted out. A and, four seed was they, a little bit disrespectful, not wildly inaccurate, but a little bit disrespectful. I, I think, think they could have been a three. I think publicly people yeah. are looking at the side of the bracket and just completely discounting this Florida State team. And I so think they're a player over. Did here. you did you make your pick? Yeah, I have um, I have Texas over Florida State in the Elite Eight. Texas over Florida State. Okay, because I, I, that was going to be mine. Um, I will I will instead I will do Florida State, Alabama, and I will take I'll take Nate Oates in in the Tide in the uh, in the final four. That's what I got too. Um, so you have you have the Tide beating Michigan. Yes. Okay. So let me we'll just recap and then we'll make picks. So I have Gonzaga, Texas Tech, Illinois. Alabama. Keys, you have... In my final four? Yeah, sorry. I have the Zags, Texas, Ohio State, and Illinois. Zags, Texas... I have... I'll just keep Illinois, going. Just like type it. Yeah, go ahead. Illinois, Alabama, Baylor, Gonzaga. All right. West, East, Keys, who wins and why? And why? I like... I. I I, I first I, I just I love this Texas team for some reason I just love this Texas team and I know Gonzaga's dangerous and I know they're probably the best team in the country but this is March baby all right this is March Doug I'm very boring I have Gonzaga Illinois and I'll just spoil it I have Illinois okay um I, I have a very chalk bracket this year in the final four but I think the top teams are two steps three steps ahead of everyone else so Keys, who do, you, who do you have on that other side? Yeah, I agree. I, 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 like I said, I love Illinois. I think they're the best team in the bracket this year. And I just, uh, the, I'm not, I'm going to be completely honest. I had them winning my bracket until I saw the IO Kobe mock pick, and it kind of scared me off the scent. So uh, I went Texas over Illinois in the final. Texas over Illinois in the final. So I will Orange. take Gonzaga over Alabama, and then I will take Illinois over Texas Tech. Uh, I don't know if this will be my actual bracket, but in this hypothetical bracket, I'm going to take Gonzaga over Illinois. Yeah, this is by no I think, means set. This I think is by this no is finally set. the year. I, Justin Berger at 429 on Tuesday thinks this is finally the year that Mark Few and Gonzaga get it done. Or and could this win be the year that the Big Ten finally? Yeah, it's wins been again. it's been forever. If none of those happen, that is pr- the biggest disappointment ever. Think yeah, about it. If it's like, not a Big Ten team or if it's not Gonzaga, then who's it going to be? There's no Kentucky. There's no Duke. There's really no UNC. I guess that's this what I picked. This is the time Texas. for someone <laughs> to make history. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I'm i excited. Just some general non-basketball NCAA tournament thoughts. I'm excited to see how this runs uh, in yeah. the state of Indiana. I think this is huge for our adopted state. 
hopefully everything goes smoothly with with COVID and such. Something happened with Tech today, uh, Georgia Tech. No, uh, BYU you're talking about? No, or someone I don't know. Passner released something that like they they had a positive. Oh yeah, they test. had a positive test. They just got left behind. I think everything will be okay. Oh, on that note though, um, four teams that did not make the tournament, the bubble. We didn't really talk too much about. Yeah, Louisville. Uh, I'm I'm okay with that. I, I think, think everyone kind of had that consensus pick. Um, Although I wish we had hired Chris Mack who else four do we years have? ago. Uh, Colorado State's part of that four. Old Miss is the fourth, and I'm missing one Mississippi more. Mississippi State, I believe. They're just yeah, so they're just kind of holding off until they'll be in Indy on Tuesday, I believe, and then if someone pulls out by Thursday, they would just sub them in. So I mean, we could get like a number one versus a Louisville type deal. I uh, we sat I sat there watching on Sunday. Just each game they revealed, I was like, this is the best bracket I've ever seen. I'm sure I say that every year, but it's just it's really nice to be able to have the tournament again and. Yeah, I think I speak for literally everybody when I say that. So, oh yeah, uh, yes, I'm just ecstatic, do. man. I'm just ecstatic. I was like I've been saying, I've been getting NCAA tournament withdrawals, and that's like we're just getting closer. I'm getting giddy. It's just, it's awesome. It's the best. It's an incredible time of the year. Like, what a time! Just to sit down. This we're year it'll be different because it's 30 basketball games in 24 hours. This is gonna be awesome. Yeah, I, I loved the Thursday. I guess in high school I loved the Thursday because we just sit and skip class and oh, stuff. Yeah. But. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then having more basketball on Monday this year, that that's going to be fun. Um, with that, well, I guess next week we'll have the uh, the sec- – no, not the second round, the uh, the Sweet 16. We'll be able to yep. talk about that before that happens. So we'll get back to you, see how close we were. I'll try and remember what I picked on this one versus what I actually picked. Uh, let's let's move into segments. It's an all-basketball show. We, we talked a little pre-show about NFL free agency. We'll talk more about that once uh, – once dust, college basketball winds down, yeah, and we'll move into golf and stuff like that. And baseball season, you know, we're right there. Um, thank God. God, baseball, man. Uh, anyways, let's do segments. Doug, let's do why you love sports this week first. Whoa, a little change up there. Yeah. Uh, and this is not even official, but you talked a little bit about free agency in the NFL. It just kind of opened up today, and the ball started rolling, and – Anthony Miller, the Bears wide receiver, not officially yet, but is reported to be dealt soon. And if you don't remember the Bears versus Saints game, he got ejected because he punched C.J. Gardner-Webb. and Not the only Bears receiver to punch. Nope, Javon Wims did it earlier this season. And the coaching staff, and you blame a lot of the stuff on the coaching staff for the Bears, rightfully so, they told every single of their players, don't get into Gardner-Webb's antics. And... Anthony Miller did, and pretty much, I don't want to say cost him the game, but it really soured everything, so I'm kind of glad that, he's out of here a lot of, I think a lot of Bears fans held that sentiment after after yeah. that game. That right. it was con- not, you know, you can't blame the loss on Anthony Miller, but he did not help. No. Keys? So, that's mine. All right. This is this is going to be a roller coaster of emotions, but why I love sports this week. Um, so, it was just announced that LeBron James has become a part-time owner of Fenway Sports Group. That effectively means he owns... Liverpool Football Club and the Red Sox in part. Um, so just a couple of things. Uh, for me, the fact that LeBron has owned the Celtics for my entire life and now he also owns the Red Sox, is just he owns another piece of me, kind of frustrating. <laughs> but at the same time, it also means we have the dopest owner in baseball. I mean, our owner is, is uh, the best basketball player on the planet. Have you met Jerry Reinsdorf? <laughs> Yes. What about Magic Johnson, who Does, literally tweets box scores? Hey, man, can Magic Johnson dunk still? I don't think so. Um, actually, he might be able to dunk Probably still. But is he the best basketball player on the planet right now? I don't think so. Is no. he in Space Jam 2? No. Um, so I've done a full 180 on the LeBron thing. But just um, like for LeBron himself, like, and not just to like, like ride LeBron for a little bit, but like 
to to come from where he came from to now like be part owner of two of the most recognizable brands in in their respective sports between Liverpool and the Red Sox it's just I mean sports man he, he did it playing basketball sports bruh. <laughs> he did he did it like, LeBron played basketball and now he owns owns the Red Sox yeah um like, I did not have a while of sports this week to be honest with you five minutes ago then I started talking about baseball and I realized opening day is 16 16 days away for the Braves uh they play the Phillies on the first so the, the Braves are doing 33% uh, capacity at the park this year. I'm excited to get out there this summer. Hopefully, I'm going to go to Wrigley in a few weeks uh, to see the Cubs and the Braves play. I think work that, that out. A, they're doing a we thing. Yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, we're doing 20, or not we, they're doing 20% capacity at Wrigley. I've never been. So I really am excited. Hey, you all, you, whoever, the the seven of you that listen to this and you two, <laughs> uh, you all know that I love the Braves more than anything. So I, I'm excited to, to see to see that team play and Marcelo Zuna back out in the Braves jersey. Ronald Acuna, MVP this year. We'll see what happens. Uh, good week, bad week. I will, again, start us off. Uh, good week. I'm going to brag on myself a little bit. I just got back from Indianapolis this this morning. Uh, I had a 90-minute interview with Fred Glass uh, for a story I'm writing uh, that will come out in a few months. Uh, I've gotten a chance to talk to a lot of people important at Indiana University athletically the last couple weeks. And it has truly been one of the great joys of my college experience uh, to do this whole, to do this, to go through this story process uh, for for Zach Kiefer's class. Any details on the the interview? Uh, yeah, there was there was he he was encouraging of Scott Dolson. Let's let's say that. Uh, Any Archie mentions? Yeah, we talked about Archie at the Did end. You know, he he obviously <laughs> <You know. laughs> he loved he loved Archie. Uh, he hired him yeah, he obviously, hired him. and uh, was sad to see him go. But 100% trust Scott Dolson, and if yeah. that's the decision he thought he he, he needed to make, then he's 100% on board. It's a result oriented business, like you said earlier today. So cool stuff. Um, that was really cool. Can't wait to start writing that. And then I, I don't really have a bad week. Um, it's not uh, a it's, bad week. It's, it's been a it's been a it's been a good week for me. Uh, and it's been a good week for for my teams and sports, I guess. So I will opt out of a bad week this week. That's nuts. Here, here's your bad week. It's the rest of the NFL because Bill Belichick is backed <laughs> the up double to tight ends. <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you're a Pats fan, and it can only be good for you because I think they spent what was it? I think 400 million total the last 10 years in free agency. And I think this year they spent now over 200 million. Um, so to see that type of investment in the Patriots from the mad scientist that is Bill Belichick should be terrifying the rest of the NFL. Um, so that'd be my bad week. Uh, my good week, uh, I feel like I keep saying this, but the UFC is absolutely rolling. Um, we're off the back of kind of a controversial fight ending um, yeah, this stuck. weekend with, with Bilal Muhammad and, and Leon Edwards. You feel bad for both fighters. Um, Edwards hasn't fought in a year and a half, and he, he gets in the octagon for a round and, and, and change and pokes Bilal Muhammad in the eye, and now it's nothing. It was it was brutal. Um, if you want to go look at it, go look at it. I recommend not, though. Um but on the horizon for the UFC, um, like we mentioned last week, two sixties coming up. That's Francis Ngannou and Stipe Miocic. Miocic defending his title. That's the heavyweights. They're going at it. And then just announced, I think yesterday, Dana White came out and said fans are back with the UFC. 261, Usman versus Masvidal 2. Um, so that's going to be, I believe, in Vegas. No, no. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Okay. Or somewhere in Florida, I know. So there, but, but the UFC has fans back. And so yeah. um, that's just – I mean, that's going to be a, an absolutely wild night. And so just – Keep rolling, man. Keep rolling, Dana. 
Good week for me, True TV. This is their like couple weeks of fame, and then they go back to being irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. But might, might as well take advantage of some first four games on True TV. It's it's the NCAA tournament and, and practical jokers for that channel. Uh, bad week. Um, I don't really have one either. I was yeah. thinking about it. I mean, I'm just like I'm very excited about this week. I was gonna say like some cheesy comment like. Uh, bad week for schoolwork, guys. Cause I'm gonna be doing all my work. Like, uh, I'm gonna be watching TV, but um, no, I'm I'm very excited about this week. It's good weather outside. If it warms up just a little bit, um, it, it's been a very very insightful and looking forward to the rest of the week. Bad week for the editing because I was wearing the scratchy jacket for the first ten minutes. Oh, of the yeah, that is true. He brought that back. I <laughs> <laughs> love the scratchy jacket. Uh, can't wait to watch basketball this weekend, gentlemen. Yeah. It was a fun one again. Uh, That's going to do it for today. Be sure to tune in next time for another Sideline Report. And follow us on Twitter at the underscore Sideline Pod. We'll see you next time. I was walking down the street when out the corner of my eye I saw a pretty little thing approaching me. She said, I've never seen a man.